Hey everybody, this is Rita Springer and welcome to the Rita Springer podcast update. I thought it would be really great to do a kind of an update every so often, um, like a life update um, and uh, have it just kind of be inserted, a uh, smaller version of a little bit of a podcast, but more just give you some life updates on my life, if it's changing, how it's changing, why it's changing. And just give you that life update. Um, probably the biggest thing for me right now is that I am I am in that phase of learning how to, well, I don't even know how to get a kid off to college, to be really honest with you. I have, I've never done that before. I am up to my eyeballs in um, almost the apprehension, the hesitation, the stress of how you do all that and how you actually get it all working to where you um, pack him up and drive out there in a couple months and drop him off. Uh, that's foreign to me. I'm, I'm, I have no, I feel like I have no, um, there's no grid. There's no um, memo for me to work with. I'm kind of doing that blind. And what really is probably um, taking so much of my thought process right now as, as in that corner in the mother corner, let's call this the mom corner, I have felt so incredibly inadequate at preparing for college. Now, I did like junior college. Um, I was headed to Cal State Northridge actually, actually when I was graduating way back in the day and um, they lost my SATs or something happened with my SATs. So it backed me up from being able to do a um, summer start after I graduated, so I kind of took a gap year and then ended up going to junior college and then ended up in ministry school and then ended up on a record label and never really finished my college degree, but which I actually do regret. I do regret that. Or going to nursing school or something like that, just anything to fall back on. Although I think if I would have had some big degree to fall back on, I would have probably walked away from the music industry years and years ago and probably never led worship again and gone back to fishing or whatever it is I got a degree in. Just because I think to be in the music business for so long, you almost have to just, it has to be everything you can do or everything you're focused on. And for me, I didn't have kind of something to back back into. I, I guess I could have gone back to college and done all that stuff, but I didn't. And so there's some of that I'm like, oh, I wish I, I did. And then some of that where I'm like, well, maybe I'm glad I didn't. But this whole college thing, I think because I'm, I, I'm easily overwhelmed by things I do not understand and the paperwork and the financial like loan process and all those things, I cannot even tell you where that sends me. And a lot of it is just, you know, when you don't, when you look at something and it's just so almost overwhelming and you don't, you've never been down that road before. So everything you're going, you're going at it really slowly and it is super confusing. I mean, I talked to a couple parents where it's like really super confusing. I think the, the funniest thing is that, you know, he's getting emails, but I'm not getting information. That's really, really hard for me because he just doesn't even get in his email. And so we're missing dates, we're missing deadlines. And I'm calling the school saying, hey, how come <laughs> how come you're not emailing me? And they're like, well, he's supposed to grow into an adult and this is how we do it. We The parents aren't a part of this. You have to get your kid to answer their email or you've got to like 
have your kid forward the email to you. And so I'm just learning all the hard knocks of A, raising a boy who just doesn't think about stuff like that and learning how not to, I'm actually really good. Like I can be a a full-blown control freak, but in a different way. Like when it comes to presentation or getting things done properly, I it's just like, let's just do this, you know, um, preparing for a party, preparing for people to stay in your house. I'm a perfectionist about that. But this, this whole thing makes me so overwhelmed that I want to actually be very well organized in it. And it's just, there's so much to it, especially when you're dealing with the government, all the FAFSA stuff. Uh, so navigating it is almost like riding a horse that you know is going to throw you. And so anyway, that's taken a lot of my mom um, time just trying to figure that out and pretty much just avoiding it and saying, oh, I could do that tomorrow or I could do that next week or I could do that. And then getting closer and closer to the deadlines and then going breaking out into a, a flipping cold sweat half the time, which is what I kind of wake up in a cold sweat sometimes. It's what I call the college sweat. If loving children in need is important to the Lord, it should be paramount to us. That's why I decided to partner with Compassion International to be the hands and feet of Jesus where we're able. That's what I want to do. And I I want to ask you to ask yourself, what are you able to do? Go to the Compassion site today at Compassion.com slash Rita and explore the ways your small contribution can change someone's life. If you haven't heard it yet, go back and listen to my episode with Jay. His story will show you how you can truly make a difference in someone's life. Visit Compassion.com slash Rita. So there's, there's that in the corner, but then there's this whole other thing about figuring out, you know, I, I had signed with a publishing company. I was with Capital for three years and I was a staff writer for them. And so I spent... Um, my days, three three days, two to three to four days a week, whatever they booked me for, wherever I booked myself for, in song rights, which I love that process. I think that process is amazing. Um, I don't really get tired of song rights at all because every day is a new thing. You find something new. It's a new chase. I love that. But I um, really was in the dilemma of having songs collect in Dropbox folders and not get pitched or not get sent or, and we're not really in a, a world where songs get pitched anymore, which I don't know if that's a, um, if that's a kind of a concept that nobody's heard before, or the younger people maybe haven't heard. If you're not a musician, you probably, that's different to you. But back in the day, artists, a lot of artists didn't really write their songs. Their songs were pitched to them by other writers. And so that day is kind of, I think really the only thing I've seen in pitching is um, kind of friend to friend type of a thing, or country music is still kind of a, a, a has a pitching genre to it. But you know, the money is found in the writing, and so a lot of the artists are like, like we have got to write in order to actually make the real money at this, and so which is totally understandable. And so when you're writing and you're writing, if you're not writing for artists, if you're not writing for people with projects and writing for their records or whatever and getting cuts on things as a writer, your songs just kind of accumulate in these Dropbox folders. And then if you're writing for a publishing company and you're accruing with an advance, you have to actually get those songs out and get those songs kind of in the process of gaining royalties in order to to pay back your advance. So it's kind of this kind of crazy, crazy world of publishing 
And the my most favorite thing about it is the writing aspect, the meeting people, the talking to people, all that stuff is just, I love that. My least favorite about it is the stress of turning rights in, remembering what you wrote. Um, you know, if you've got 50 or 60 rights a year, you're like, oh, where did I do with that one? Did I get a demo from that? Did we do, you just almost have to stay on top of it. And so- it's like a s- snowball that's running down a mountain sometimes. If you don't start the year off doing it well, then you leave a couple weeks and then a couple months in there. And then all of a sudden you're having to go backtrack and get lyrics and get melody lines. And sometimes you're in a write with somebody and you never see them again. And so you're like, what, right? I was on that. I wrote on that. I didn't. It's kind of a crazy, crazy thing. But so I have, have been doing that solidly for three years with Capital, which I love Capital um, CMG. They're amazing. Their team is amazing. But I just really felt like God wanted me to to pull back and have a change and just almost like this respite stop to actually see what he, he wanted to do. And relationship is such a big thing for me that I ended up signing recently with a smaller company, a smaller publishing company that's kind of just gotten off the ground that just... Um, is about, for me, it's about building relationships. So it's a smaller contract and it's more like, hey, let's just build relationship. Let's see where this goes. Let me build relationship with your writers. And so that's actually been a really exciting kind of transition season um, in my life where this year I was switched publishing companies and just like, hey, yeah, we'll just do this for a while and and see how that works, which, which is great. That team is beautiful too. And um, and I love the people. I just really love the people and, and the uh, writers are great. But you're not always writing when you're writing with the the writers from the publishing company that you come from. We're writing with different people constantly. So there could be, you know, a Sony writer in a room with a Curb writer, with a Curb Word writer, with a Capital writer, with a Centricity writer, a Universal writer, whatever. It just doesn't matter. Everybody's kind of signed. Some of the people are signed to different labels. And it's one thing about the unity in writing that I actually have really loved in the industry is that it doesn't really matter who's who in the room. Um, it's a collaboration. And and that's really what is seen that I think is quite, quite beautiful. There's not like, a, oh, let's just have all these writers in the room so that that publishing company gets the biggest cut of the song or whatever. But it really is the fascination and the um, the creative development of putting people that you would never think maybe would ever be together together and seeing what comes up with. I love that process. I think that's amazing. So I'm in this new season of um, this new company called Tim Publishing that's just really great. I love all those guys. They're amazing. And that is something new that's on the docket this year. And then the other thing is, you know, I I will always get asked by, you know, people out and about or people will DM me on Instagram or Facebook still. And and then I have friends that'll be like, when are you going to put another record out? When are you going to do, you know, this again? And I'm just going to be like cutthroat honest in uh, in this little update, life update, about how difficult that is for me. 
And having the track record that I've had with all the records that I've released, I don't ever release a record that isn't timely and isn't something that the Lord has been speaking to me about, talking to me about, and that I feel God on. Now, that doesn't mean that when those records are released, it turns out the way I would love for them to turn out. But I can honestly say that every record that I've ever done is a record that had a season on it that was God. And I've never, I've never done a record or written songs for the sake of just fulfilling a quota on a record or with a, with a record label and just trying to push something out. A lot of times when we sign to a record deal, which is different than signing from a publishing deal, I had a publishing deal with CMG, which is Capital, and then I had a Rethink deal, which um, was a record label deal that we put Light out on. And a lot of people don't know that Light was a new record that I did after Battles. It's an amazing record, but it really did get caught up in the world of COVID. And uh, it was really sad for me, but it was such a revelatory season of God saying things about Light And again, when I do things, I do things kind of very literal from the Lord. And so I have to hear the Lord say, now, here, this, that. And I really felt like I I heard him with that. And even though in hearing him, we can, um, you know, we we hear in part, we see in part. Um, We always want our, our success for what we put out, especially in music. You want that success. But the the industry is so inundated with so much right now. In fact, even starting a podcast, I probably should have started a podcast three years ago, but um, when it wasn't so popular, but every, it's so popular now that everybody wants to do it, which I think is great. I think I love podcasts. I, I listen to so many different podcasts on drives and stuff like that. So I love that. I think there's room for everybody at the table, but um, sometimes it feels like the rush to do and I've tried really hard to stay in the lane of just patience and just being, yeah, really patient about how God wants to do it and how it, it's um, it's going to to pan out. And so it's really easy to get super disappointed in in things that get lost like that. For me, I think I took that really hard because light I felt like was such a beautiful project. And it was such a prophetic project for me coming from, you know, this this album called Battles, which was such an album of great fight um, into an album of of light. And um, I just thought that was so prophetic, such a prophetic season. And uh, I, I love the songs on that record. And But it felt like it just kind of was lost in this land of fog and COVID. And... And you have to almost, when those seasons happen, especially in music, and there are a lot of things you can do to keep it on people's radar or whatever. I, I'm not really great at trying to sell myself. And I know that like this is not the business to be in if you don't want to sell yourself. I, I've always wanted to be have the authenticity of someone who just, you wanted to listen to because you really felt like they were being authentic and that what you were getting from them was courage or what you were giving, getting from them was something that really meant something to your life. I've always wanted to deliver music like that and sing music like that. And it's because when I when I do it for the Lord, I do it for that reason. I seriously, consciously really do. And it is a really interesting industry to not get caught up in the things that it has to produce 
in order to convey some kind of, of, of success. And I've done really well at keeping myself at bay from some of those things. But the fight is always there because it's such a public thing. You, you're putting music out there and, and um, you know, are you relevant when you do it? And and I think I've had such a, a, a run with doing it in this kind of grassroots thing. I came up in grassroots. I came up without the um, the era of downloading. I came up with an authenticity to my sound and to my music that I just wasn't going to sell out. And I didn't have a sound that uh, I think was the norm, I guess I should say. I, I had a kind of um, a unique quality to my voice. And while people tried to mimic that or other women tried to mimic some of that, I think, you know, that whole pioneering thing that I talk about early on in some of my podcast with my testimony, really that was my niche, like the, 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 just the pioneering away for other women to, to do, to be more successful at it than I was. I, I, I would chuck up some of my life to that being um, the viable part of it is that, you know, sometimes if you're looking at a field and you can see a subdivision um, in order to get the subdivision actually built remove the fields, you're going to have to actually buy a tractor and dig up the field in order to prepare the land for for the build. And so I feel like in a lot of ways in the early years, I, I kind of did that. Now, um, again, I, I've said this before, but if God asked me like, hey, look, you know, raise your hand if you want to. Um, he doesn't really inform us all that's going to happen. And I don't think I would have been the probably the the Jesus lover to to have raised my hand and say, oh, yes. I'll take that, I'll take that long, hard, you know, a road full of potholes um, and twist my ankle in it a million times. Yes, I'll do that. I probably wouldn't have volunteered for it, but as I started on the journey and I was able to see the beauty of it, the the beauty, you know, in the ashes of my life, um, I I wouldn't have done it any differently now because I have. Um, got to do these really beautiful things in spearheading and pioneering. And no, I didn't reap the benefits financially from it. That was always kind of one of the things that I had this conversation with the Lord about where it was just like, you know, is this going to lead to success? Should I be concerned about success? And the Lord would always say, well, what success are you talking about? And it was like, well, I mean, I'm not just talking about the success of this working in the churches, for the churches um, and for the people at the altar, but is this going to be something that I can actually feed my kid with? Or is this something that, and I'm going to be really super honest in saying, um, I remember the grading on my heart to go out and and make a living off the church. I just, oh, I just, I don't know if it's because I grew up kind of, uh, in a in a give it all away, give it all away kind of a thing with the church. It was always very difficult for me to ask the church for compensation for what I was doing in worship. And that was always a very foreign thing. But again, that was in a day when it it should feel a little strange to do that because it wasn't fully the norm. I mean, we had CCM, contemporary Christian music scene, but people were doing concerts and performing and not leading worship and leading people into the presence of the Lord. So, so I have, have, there's always been this like little tension, like this back and forth tension of, of this thing. And so I've often wondered, I'm like, man, um, is there any way I can make money a different way so that I can do that uh, just for the, like, just out of the love of it. And, 
and and it would just make me feel so much better. And and there are some few seasons where that was possible to do, but not for the most part for me. It, it's always kind of been like this. Um, it's hard not to feel like you're on a hamster wheel because of the way that I brought into it. I I didn't have the accolades or the um, advantages that that the newer artists have with really the amount of uh, gazillions you can make in CCLI and royalties. I just didn't want to get caught up in all of that. And I, I'm I'm very thankful that my heart is kind of um, intact with all of that because I have seen, I've seen the good part about that and I've seen the really bad, horrifying part of that about that. And I have stuck it out with the Lord in just trusting him for everything that we we were gaining and um, everything that we were losing and everything that God was preparing for um, what he had next. And so there's been seasons of shifting. And and so this season of like songwriting, songwriting is amazing because you can go and you can write for whatever, 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 anybody. But I just haven't gone into write for me in a long time because I just have kind of put that on the back burner. I, I'm you know, 56 this year. And it's just like, how long are you going to try doing this? Like how long, how long do you want to like make records? And, and here's the beauty that I'm just going to, again, I'm just, I'm not going to like shortchange myself. And I actually can pull it off. Like I still have the voice to pull it off. I feel like my voice still sounds, at least I, and I'm told this a lot, which is so sweet, but yeah, I don't, I don't go into a write and have a need to sing a track. Like if I'm in just writing for somebody, I'll always give the track to the to the younger person. Be like, ah, you make the demo. Who cares? Even if I have a better voice than they do, it's just not in my wheelhouse. Like I'm just not, I don't pat myself on the back. I don't think I'm all that. I just don't have that gene. I don't walk away being like, oh, I wish I could have sang that demo. I would have been so much better at it than that person was. I just don't. I don't have that. I mean, unless it was like tone deaf, but that's never the case. I'm usually in with really some really beautiful singers. I just have this thing in me, this grid that I just think people are just amazing and they're so much better at doing whatever they're doing than me. Now, that said, that's probably not a really great sell yourself technique that I have. I am like, I sell myself out of off the shelf. Like I sell myself, like I'm, I'm like, push me to the back, put back, put all those people on the front. And yeah, you can call that humility, whatever. But I think it's just that part of my growing up years where I just didn't come to the table trying to sell myself. I, I wasn't trying to sell anything, but I was trying to give away for free the presence of the Lord. And I, I, I love that quality about myself. I want to keep that quality about myself. But there is this thing where the Lord will come to me and say, "Hey, are we are we going to record this song? Are you gonna are you gonna put this song out?" And I'm like, "Me? Like what? What are you talking about?" Or He'll say things like, "I want you to make another record," and I'll again I'll get nauseous and sick and want to throw up for three days because I don't want the pressure sometimes of what all of that entails and what the disappointment of of how it's supposed to look on the shelf and what it's supposed to be and how the consumer's supposed to buy it and feel these it's like a it's like a coat that doesn't fit me of trying to to sell myself into something that I actually have the ability to do but I'm missing this kind of like you know pizzazz you know uh just this sharp kind of like this is 
some, you know, I can't sell ice to Eskimos. I, I can't do it. I, I could sell Jesus to Eskimos, but I can't, like, I just, I don't know. That's always been a struggle for me. And so this season in this place, I feel like the Lord is starting to talk to me again about recording songs. And there are a couple songs that I've written that I know I'm supposed to record. People are asking me for them. And so I know that I'm supposed to put them out this year as singles. Um, my big dream would be to do a Christmas record. Um, I've never done a Christmas record. I have a Christmas record in me. And I would love to do that before I waste away in an old folks home. But I, I grapple with the tension. I, I struggle with the tension here of how do you, how, how much longer do you put stuff out if the relevancy of people knowing what you're doing is waning and is it, where's the importance in it? And you know what, I'm, I've been one to always champion, you know, that there is no age limit to anything. Honestly, <laughs> the fact that I'm doing what I'm doing at 56, I don't really see many people doing it. And so um, I don't feel 56, I feel maybe 36, but I just want to do what the Lord has me doing. And I want to like be what the Lord wants me to be. And so I am trying to figure out what that is. And my vulnerability in this update is like, you guys can actually be praying for me. If you love the music, if you love um, hearing those songs, which, you know, I love writing and I think I'm a great writer, but I also, I think I'm an incredible storyteller, but I'm in songs as well. But I, I love writing songs that, that bring people to a place with the Lord where they feel seen by God. And, and so I don't think my season's over, but I really actually need to find the strength and all this other stuff to be like, okay, if this, Lord, you're talking to me about this and I don't know. And I've actually had friends call me, younger artists call me and say, I feel like the Lord is telling me you're not supposed to do blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, I'm not talking to you about this. Like I've been really like cold and callous and I've had to apologize for it later where I'm just like, I'm not talking to you about this. I don't want to talk about this because it really actually gives me gives me like just, it feels like pins and needles. And it's it's my process of walking through things that I have to like let go and let the Lord have those areas where there's seasons of disappointment of things not going well. And for me actually to have different eyes to see it differently. And it's easier to say that, harder to like walk that out. But I, I think anybody who's in the music industry or the acting industry or the modeling industry, whatever, you know, when we're doing something in our craft, we, we want it to be, well-received. And man will tell us how well-received that is. And I think that's that's my stalling point is that man's made up this like scenario for what success looks like when you put out a song or when you put out a record. And when we become so conformed to man's idea of what it is, I mean, I'll say this again, I don't think God gives out awards. Now, it doesn't mean that I don't think award ceremonies are valuable. And I think that they're great. I've got a couple of them, you know, throughout the years in different award things. And I'm very, I'm very honored to have those. But I I just don't think that my success is going to ever sit on an award being given or or a nomination being given. I think that I have to look at my success as being what did I do for Jesus? And did I do what what he asked me to do when he asked me to do it? And when you're in the industry, you have to always remind yourself of that because man has a list of what you did for this and how you got this popular and how you did this and how you got it to radio and how you did. None of those things I think are bad. They're just man's way 
of doing it. And I've had a very, a uh, lot more difficult time breaking into man's manuscript than um, I ever did with the Lord. And so I think I've always just kind of slid over where it's most comfortable and it's less demanding and it's less stressful. And the moments that I feel the stress sometimes are like, I really do want this to be successful in both areas, but I don't really know why it's not. And so I'm just going to slide back over to, I obeyed the Lord. I did what the Lord told me to do and I'm moving on. But then when the Lord says, hey, let's do this again, it's like, are you crazy? Like, I'm not doing this again. So I feel like God's asking me to do some of these things, but I'm in that place as I'm like, are you crazy? I'm not doing this again. Are you crazy? So anyway, that's like a life update for me because I'm in that struggle. I know I'm supposed to do these things. If you're out there and you have loved what I've done, maybe you could just be like, say a couple prayers to the Lord and be like, you want her to do this and you just show her the way, show her how to do it. And then I've been really launching this whole mentor um, mentoring thing, which I really love this. Like this isn't like, this isn't on a Richter scale for me. I I, I don't, I, I probably should plug it more, advertise it more, get it all out there. And, and I, I need to do those things. Part of that is I just don't have a team that helps me do that stuff. So it's all kind of on my own, but I really love that's probably the core of what I burn for is just to encourage and, and to encourage and throw courage on people. And so the mentorship programs that I've been doing, which are these one-on-one hour-long sessions for four and sometimes six weeks, I just love them. I think they're just these amazing moments. I've loved the um, the mentees that have come in and being able to hear their stories. Actually, it's actually rejuvenating me for the church because um, I just I get a high when I get to see young worship leaders consistently leading um, people in worship in the church and loving their positions and wanting to do the best at their positions. That just fills me full of so much joy, I can't even tell you. And encouraging them is really the best for me. So I've been doing this mentorship program. You could always go to ritaspringer.com and you can look at the mentorship program. I'm starting one July 10th for six weeks. That's one hour a week, probably an hour and a half to two hours starting um, July 10th, uh, and then every uh, five weeks after that one, where I'm just going to try to encourage songwriters and and just really go through songwriting skills and leading uh, leading worship and, and writing songs for your congregation and writing pop songs and writing sync songs and and, and just the, the whole art of writing and co-writing and how to build something from the ground up and how to like find the right kind of hook and all the things that sometimes we're really good at certain functions of those and other times we're like, oh, it's taken me so long to do this and so long to do that. So um, if you're songwriters out there and you want to join that when you need to come and join us, um, just again, go to readerspringer.com and you can do that. But the mentorship program... I've really loved that. That's been this new thing I've started this year, which has been really wonderful. The individual and then wanting to just launch like different things. We were doing in Patreon for a while, this thing called General Session. And I just think that needs to be taken out of Patreon and done like on a a monthly night uh, where I can just sit and teach and talk to people and answer questions and all kinds of stuff. So I'm going to start that as well, which we just call those General Sessions and Usually it's going to be, it's either going to be like a um, 10 or $15. You just pull it and you can hear an hour and a half of something and ask questions um, or a donation thing. If people want to do that, that's great. But I just, there's all these little things on the docket and I'm trying to figure out, oh my gosh, how am I going to, how am I going to do 
all this stuff this year and get a kid to college. And then I thought, why don't I just move to Paris for three months? That's probably really not uh, what I'll ever do. But boy, I have thought about just, man, wouldn't it be great to just move to Paris for three months and just write, finish a couple books or finish one good book that I started and and just write and just have, find peace and find find the Lord, you know, out of the busyness of my domain. So I don't know if there's anybody that has a an apartment in Paris that they're not using for a couple months, hit me up. But um, outside of that, those are just dreams I dream of. But that is my life update. So these are all things that are coming up. Some are um, being fleshed out. And I am hoping that we'll just find the Lord in the middle of everything. And that um, by the end of 2023, I will be kicking myself into 2024 with a greater vision and greater purpose. Um, I think all of us need that. All of us need to finish the year out well. I think if I'm wanting anything in this season, it's um, to understand everything along the way. And so there's less confusion when I'm going at something like college applications and financial aid and trying to overcome the guh of recording again and writing songs better and better and better and and then just pulling the right people in for the mentorship. I I actually, in the mentorship program, I love that God brings these people and I feel like they're timely, incredible people that God brings. And some of them maybe don't understand the process, but 99% of those that I've had are just these really beautiful, amazing individuals that just want to learn and just want Jesus. And that just makes me happy. So that is my life update. Those are the things going on here in 2023. And I would cover your prayers. And if there's anybody that wants to chime in, just DM me on Instagram and say, hey, your podcast on your life update, and you said this and this and this, I think you should do this, this and this. I'll take ideas. But thank you so much for listening to the podcast every week. I love the podcast. I love being able to do it. Um, interviewing people, it gets a little crazy sometimes, but I love it. I love you and me media and how they help me do this. They are incredible, incredible partners in crime in this, and I love it. And I'm so appreciative of their willingness and their drive for it. I'm so grateful for Compassion International and their partnership with Rita Springer Podcast. And just another shout out to those of you who haven't even thought about maybe sponsoring a child. You know, it's it's so beyond, you know, uh, a few cups of coffee, coffee that you're missing out um, a month. The thing is you're going to buy coffee regardless. So, you know, you could spend the $35 a month um, just pouring into a kid loving on a kid and um, making and changing somebody's life. So um, don't forget to sponsor a child through Compassion if you haven't already. It's not a hard thing to do. It's not an infomercial. It's actually mercy and it's pure religion undefiled, the scripture says. So I love you guys. I'm grateful that you're with me. You hang out with me every week and I am just always grateful and always looking forward to um, hearing from those of you and seeing what the podcast has done for you. So blessings and thank you for this life update.